Well, good morning, Redeemer. Uh, this is definitely not the way that I was envisioning uh, being able to engage with God's Word together. This is, this is weird. Uh, this is not what I was expecting. And um, in some ways, it's just like a microcosm of 2020. Uh, we had expectations and then boom, so much has changed in our lives. But I'm thankful for this, thankful for technology, and just grateful that we're still going to engage with God's Word. We're still anticipating and expecting God to work and move in powerful ways this morning. And so we're going to pick up right where we left off. We're in our series in the book of Genesis. So if you have your Bibles, grab those. Turn with me to Genesis 17. Genesis 17, verse 15 is where we're going to be picking up today. Genesis 17. And as you turn there, I, I, I want you to think about waiting. I can, I can pretty much guarantee that not many of us in this room would say, I love waiting. I love to wait. If I had an option between waiting in a long line at the grocery store or going to the shorter line, I would always choose the long line because I just love waiting. If I'm in my car and I'm driving to a destination and I see there's two ways to get there and one has tons of traffic and, and the other one, it, it's going to be way faster, I just, I just always choose the traffic. I mean, no one in the room would probably say that. We don't like waiting. And when I think of waiting, something that immediately comes to mind uh, is, is this sound. Listen to this. Okay, now if I was with you in the room, I would ask how many of you have no idea what that sound is? And I wish that I could see the hands in the air because if you don't know what that sound is, please consider yourself blessed. You are so blessed because that is how we used to have to access the internet. It's called dial-up internet and that tone would go and it's connecting to these lines and then you'd get on the internet and it would just crawl. It was so slow. You'd wait for everything and then somebody in your house would pick up the phone and you'd get kicked off the internet and then you'd have to wait again to get connected and oh, it was just miserable. Waiting, waiting, waiting. None of us in the room would probably say we love waiting. And we've been following for the last couple of weeks the life of Abraham and Sarah and we've seen really a lot of changes and a lot of different things in their life but but one of the consistent things we've seen in the life of Abraham and Sarah is consistently waiting on the fulfillment of the promise of God. We said last week it's been 24 years since the initial promise God made to Abraham and Sarah. God came to Abraham and he said, I'm going to make you a great nation. From you will come people more numerous than the stars in the sky. And yet so far, Abraham and Sarah have seen no uh, evidence of fulfillment of the promise. They're waiting. They've had to live it. We read it in a few paragraphs, a few sentences, and, and they've lived this for 24 years. They have been waiting on the Lord. And just like Abraham and Sarai, all of us are in a waiting period of some kind this morning. And as I've been thinking about this, I think of two kinds of waiting. For, for all of us that are Jesus followers in the room, we have this general waiting for the return of Jesus. 
You see, what we know about Jesus is that he came 2,000 plus years ago. He took on flesh, became a man, lived a perfect life, died, was buried, rose again, and then ascended to heaven and is now seated at the right hand of God. We believe that, we cling to that, but we also know Jesus is coming back and we are in the waiting And if anything, 2020 has given us a greater anticipation for the return of Jesus when he will make all things right, when he will make all things new. And so we long for that day, we wait for that day. But for many of us, the waiting is more specific. Maybe for you it's a job. And part of 2020 has been a job loss and you're in between the job you had and the job that you're going to have and and, and you're frustrated and, and you've been applying and you're going, I don't know how this is going to happen in the, the current economy. You're in the waiting. Maybe it's relationships and, and there's a broken relationship in your life and, and you've tried to, to fix it and make it right and, and nothing's worked and, and you're in the waiting. Maybe it's physical healing and, and you're longing for, for wholeness in your body but, but nothing is working. You're in the waiting. Maybe it's the salvation of a son or daughter, a, a dad or a mom, a family member, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, and you're going, God, I've been praying them for, for months, for years, and I've seen nothing. And you're frustrated and you're doubting and you're in the waiting. And on and on we could go. Whether you're in this room and, and just generally waiting for the return of Jesus or you have specific ways that you are in the waiting room of life, we know that waiting is hard. It can feel confusing and bring about doubts and fears and wrestling with God for all of us in the room today and the waiting. God has a word for us. And so in our text today, we're going to see a story in three parts. We're going to walk through these parts, and as we do, we're going to ask two questions. We're going to move pretty quickly through part one. We're going to spend time in part two, and then we're going to see how part three and part one are connected, and and in all of it, God's going to speak to us in this story about the kind of people we need to be and that he's calling us to be in the midst of the waiting, in the waiting room of life. And so let me pray for us, and then we're going to dive into God's word together. Father, oh, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for time that we can open your word that you are good and faithful to meet with us as we do. And so just give us ears to hear uh, from you this morning. And then, God, uh, just my prayer all week is that we would not be um, hearers only, but we would be doers of the word. And so, Spirit, would you just equip us as we, uh, as we sit under your word and then as we leave here to not just hear but to do. And so we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Genesis 17. Uh, we're going to pick it up in verse 15. And remember, we're coming in in the middle of a conversation that God and Abraham are having. And then up to this point uh, in chapter 17, we've seen God reveal to Abraham the sign of the covenant, this sign that we talked about last week called circumcision. And so we're jumping into the middle of the conversation they're having. Genesis 17, verse 15. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. I love what God does here. And we saw God do this last week with Abraham, uh, changing his name from Abram to Abraham. And we saw Abraham means the, the father of nations. And now God does this with Sarai, changes her name to Sarah, which means princess. And we know from princesses come kings, and from kings come great nations. Again, this is God re-emphasizing his promise to Abraham. 
He's reminding them that, hey, I'm going to make you into a great nation. We're going to change Sarai's name to Sarah because out of her will come great nations. God re-emphasizing his promise. And then I love as we continue, we're going to get to see Abram's uh, response to this. Verse 17, that Abraham fell on his face. And I want you to say this with me. I know this is weird because I'm on a screen. I'm not with you in person. But, but let's try this. Verse 17, then Abraham fell on his face. And what? He laughed. And he said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who's 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? We see God reemphasize his promise and then Abraham laughs. He laughs in the face of God and says, no way, God, I'm too old. I'm 100 years old. My wife is 90. There's no way. And we've got to understand that Abraham has been living this for 24 years. 24 years of waiting on the fulfillment of the promise of God and up to this point not seeing much. And that's easy for us to read in a sentence, but we've got to put ourselves in the shoes of Abraham and Sarah, that they lived this in a series of monthly disappointments. Month after month after month, hoping and praying and anticipating the birth of a child and nothing. Uh, some of you in the room this morning, you can relate to this. You're saying, God, we want a family. We want kids. And you, uh, immediately, your mind goes to the, to the roller coaster, the heartbreak of month after month disappointment. Now, Abraham and Sarah lived this not just for months, not just for a few years, but for 24 years. Uh, think about just how long the last 10 months have been. 11 months ago, we weren't worried about COVID in America, and now we're sick and tired of hearing about it. It's felt like the last 10 months have just drug on, and, and probably some of us in the room, if we hear the, 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 the word uh, unprecedented one more time, we're just going to lose it, and it's only been 10 months. Abraham and Sarah, 24 years. Think about how much has changed in your life from five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Some of you in this room 20 years ago weren't even around, weren't even alive. 24 years Abraham and Sarah have been waiting. And so no wonder Abraham laughs and said, there's no way, God. There's no way. The story continues, verse 18 says this, And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said no. I think we've been able to see throughout our time journeying together with Abraham and Sarah. We've seen this up and down journey, right? We've seen uh, points in their life of great faith and great trust in God, and then we've seen these low points of, of lies and uh, coming up with alternate plans and Ishmael. And, and again here we see Abraham just saying, God, can't Ishmael just be the one? Uh, God, can't Ishmael just live before you. God, can't we just take the way that I want to do it, and can't you just be okay with that? And God, as a loving, gentle father, just says, no. Some of us in the room just need to hear that this morning. We need to finally and fully surrender to the plan and the ways of God, and we need to say, okay, God, I'm done trying to do it my way. I'm done with my Ishmael plan. I'm done saying, God, but, but can't, can't you just, and God's going to look at us and say, no, just trust me, my plan is better. We're going to say, but God, it seems easier. It seems like I can see the, the path ahead if you just let me. God says, no, 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 just trust me. My way is better. Surrender and trust fully to the plans of God. And some of us in this room, today needs to be the day where we say, okay, enough, enough of my Ishmael plan. I'm going to surrender to the plans and the ways of God. 
Verse 18, Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God says, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I've heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and I will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father 12 princes and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac. God, again, emphasizing, this is my plan, not yours, Abraham. I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. We see God emphasizes here in this conversation the sign of the covenant circumcision, and then he makes really clear the son of the covenant is Isaac. And God says, no, we're going to do this my way. This time next year, Sarah will bear you a son. And then verse 22 when he had finished, when God had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. So the conversation is over. Now, remember, this conversation started with this sign of circumcision, the sign of the covenant. Now God leaves, and Abraham here has a choice. Abraham has a choice. Will Abraham obey or not? After 24 years of essential radio silence from God, after 24 years of doubting and wrestling and, 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 and really trying to figure out, God, how are you going to do this? 24 years and, and, and now Abraham's left with a choice. Am I going to, to use a phrase we talked about a couple weeks ago, am I going to choose comfortable disobedience or uncomfortable obedience? Comfortable disobedience or uncomfortable obedience? obedience. And we're going to get to see what Abraham does and how he responds. Pick it up with me in verse 23. Then Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all those born in his house and bought with his money every male among the men of Abraham's house. And he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day, as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised. All the men of his house, those born in the house and those bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. Abraham has a choice, and he responds with immediate, full, and complete obedience to the call of God on his life. There's no delay. There's no, uh, let me make a deal with God that if you just show me how this is all going to work out, then I'll obey. I'm going to wait a little bit to see, then I'll obey. God leaves, and multiple times in the text, it tells us that very day, immediate, full, complete obedience. And, and if we're honest, painful obedience on Abraham's behalf, and he obeys. He obeys. In the waiting of life. God is calling us to obedience. In the waiting, what step of obedience do I need to take? Question number one we're going to ask is, is that. In the waiting, what step of obedience do I need to take? Just the next step. And for Abraham, it, it was a big step. The next step for him was to obey the sign of the covenant, this, this circumcision thing. And again, it was uncomfortable. It was painful. It was difficult. But Abraham immediately and completely obeyed God that very day, just took the next step of obedience. What's your next step? 
in the waiting room of life. What's your next step of obedience? And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you already know. God has made it clear. You know what your next step is. But, but some of you in, in the room this morning, you're going, I, I don't know. I don't know what my next step is. I would encourage you, don't let today go by without spending some time with the Lord and just saying, God, what's my next step? What's my next step of obedience? And then bring people into that with you so that they can help you take that step. Just the next step of obedience. Maybe for you, it's, it's I'm gonna take the step of obedience to actually consistently pursue the Lord in his word, the spirit of God with the word of God. And I, I, I'm gonna start just making time for the word. I'm going to start sitting with the Lord, Bible open, uh, praying, calling upon the Spirit of God, getting to know and love Jesus more. Maybe for you, the, the, the call to obedience is prayer. And, and God's calling you to, to quit with the compartmentalization of prayer, and he's asking you, bring prayer into all of your life. Acknowledge me in all your ways. Continual conversation, uh, practicing the presence of God throughout your day, talking with him, praying with him. Maybe for you, the next step, God is just piercing your heart, and, and today needs to be a day of confession. Maybe there's some, some things that are coming to your mind, some choices you've made, some, some sin that God is bringing to mind, that you're just saying, I've got to get this out of the dark, and today is the day. The next step of obedience for me is to bring it into the light, the light of the grace and the love of Jesus Christ, the healing light of the gospel. Maybe the next step for you is, is generosity. God is calling you into greater use of the time and energy and money that you have to build God's kingdom here and to stop building my kingdom. Maybe, maybe God's calling you to sell some things for greater opportunity for generosity. Maybe it's reconciliation. There's a, there's a relationship that's coming to your mind right now that you're going, I need to leave here and I need to reach out to that person. I need to make the call. Today is the day for the next step of obedience. And on and on we could go. Maybe it's sharing the gospel. It's, it's pursuing humility. It's whatever it might be, just the next step. And let today be a day where we are not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word, just like Abraham was. That very day, he didn't delay. He didn't wait. As soon as God left, he got circumcised. He obeyed. He followed the Lord's call. And today, let it be a day not just of hearing the word, but of doing, of applying, of living it out, of walking in obedience, just the next step. Eugene Peterson calls it a long obedience in the same direction. This is the Christian life, brothers and sisters. A long obedience in the same direction of just simply the next step of obedience. And so for you, in the waiting room of life, in the waiting, what step of obedience do I need to take? And so we've looked here at part one and part two of our story, and now we're going to look at part three. And remember, we said they're connected. We're going to see God appear to Abraham again in part three, and, and he, no surprise, is going to re-emphasize his promise to Abraham. And this time, Sarah will be here, and this time we get to see Sarah's response. And so Genesis 18, here we go, pick it up in verse 1. And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be broad and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread so that you may refresh yourselves." 
And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and he said, quickly, three sheaves of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf tender and good and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. And so here, uh, God appears to Abraham with, we're going to find out, two angels, three of them uh, approach Abraham and Abraham rushes to them and says, here, come stay with me, dine with me. Let's spend time together. And so he quickly throws together this, this great feast for them. And here they are spending time together. And in the midst of the conversation, pick it up in verse nine, they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. I love this. God knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly where Sarah is. And so he asks, Abraham said, she's in the tent. And then God says, knowing that Sarah is going to hear, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Here God is, again, re-emphasizing his promise, his covenant to Abraham and Sarah. And now we get to see Sarah's response. 18 verse 11. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah, what's it say? So Sarah laughed. She laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? I love that all throughout this story, the author does not let us forget. God does not let us forget that Sarah and Abraham are old. They're old, even to the point where the this, this story, God really wants to make sure we understand that it is humanly impossible for Abraham and Sarah to have a child at this point. Verse 11, he says, the way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. The monthly cycle in Sarah's body has ceased. It is humanly impossible for her to have a child. And Sarah's reaction, she laughs to herself. Remember, when, when God in their conversation right before this, he says to Abraham, hey, you're going to have a son. What's Abraham do? He laughs. And now Sarah laughs. This is the connection in part one and part three of our story. The laughter in the face of the promise of God. Abraham and Sarah are wrestling and, and, and doubting and confused and, and going, God, we don't understand this. We don't get it to the point where they just go, God, how? Like, how, how are you going to do this? What causes them to laugh? They literally can't believe it. They're laughing at the impossibility. They're like, God, you're too late. You're 20, 15, 10, five years too late, God. It's impossible. It's impossible. But what we got to understand is that our God doesn't know impossible. Our God is the God of the impossible. We have a God who likes to take what we see as impossible and flip it on its head and turn it into possible through his power and through his spirit. Look at how he responds. Verse 13, the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. Out of the impossibility of this situation, God speaks to Abraham and Sarah, and he says, is anything 
too hard for the Lord. The book of Luke says it this way, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Is anything too big for the Lord? Even what looks impossible for Abraham and Sarah to have a baby at this point, it is possible through the power of God. Abraham and Sarah now are given the choice to trust and believe in God's promise, even in the impossibility of it, and even after 24 years of waiting. God wants them to understand that, yes, humanly it's impossible, but with me it's possible. Now God is calling us to do the same thing, to trust his promises in the waiting. Question number two in the waiting, we said, what step of obedience do I need to take? Question number two, what promise or promises of God do I need to trust? In the waiting, what promise or promises of God do I need to trust? Just like God was calling Abraham and Sarah to trust him and believe his promises, he's calling us to do the same thing. What impossibility are you facing this morning? Maybe, maybe for you, you're just in a rut spiritually. 2020 has been a year. And you're going, I've tried different things. I've tried different studies. I've, 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 I've pursued this. I've tried this relationship and just nothing. I can't get out of this rut. I can't get out of this desert. It seems humanly impossible. Maybe you have lost your job. And you've been throwing out applications left and right. You've been trying everything you can. And at this point, you've got nothing left. You're saying, this seems impossible. Maybe there's unresolved conflict and tension in a relationship and you've tried to, to reconcile and, and it just seems humanly impossible. Whatever it is, God is calling you to trust his promises today, to believe that God is the God of the impossible, to believe that God looks at us and says, through his word, through his promises, through his spirit, is anything too hard for the Lord? I, I want to look at four specific promises of God. And there's hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of promises. You can go home, Google promises of God. I don't know how and, and, and what promise of God you need to intersect with your life. I don't know where you are. Um, but, but as I was praying, these are four promises that God just brought to mind. Four promises that we can choose to trust today. Four promises God is calling us to trust. Number one, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And you're going to see these texts uh, appear here on the screen. I don't have to turn there, but number one, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is not a maybe. This is not a we'll wait and see. This is a, hey, if you seek the Lord, if you pray, if you bring everything to the Lord, he will give you peace. He promises to give us peace. Even in the midst of everything that's happened this year, God says, you can have peace. You can have peace. How many of us need to just stop trying to pursue peace on our own and instead Start bringing everything to the Lord in prayer. And as we do, God says, you will have peace. I promise you. How many of us just need to trust that God will bring us peace? Number two, James chapter one, verse five says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. Maybe you're here this morning, you're going, I could use some wisdom. 
I could really use some wisdom in, in how to uh, go about maybe mending this relationship in, in, a, in a job situation, uh, in a family situation, in a personal crisis, whatever it might be financially, I could use some wisdom. God says, I promise, if you ask me, I will give it to you. How many times have I just walked through a situation without wisdom because I didn't ask God? God promises us, if you ask for wisdom, I will give it to you. We need to trust that this morning. And some of us, we need to leave here and get on our knees before the Lord and say, God, give me wisdom. Promises that God is calling us to trust. He will give us peace. He will give us wisdom. Uh, number three, 2 Peter 1, 3. 2 Peter 1, 3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. This is one of my favorite promises in all of Scripture. His divine power has granted to us all things that we need for life and godliness. There's nobody in the room this morning who doesn't, through Christ and in the Spirit of God, have everything they need to live a godly life. And, and you might be there, but, but yeah, I, I don't know as much as God says, you have everything you need. Yeah, but, but I haven't been a Christian in as long as God says, you have everything you need. You have the Spirit of God. You have the Word of God. You have all that you need to live a godly life. The, the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the people of God, we all come together. God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Some of us need to walk in that promise today. Enough with the excuses. Enough with the reasons. Enough with the, the, the shrinking back in fear. And instead, today is the day we say, I have everything I need to live a godly life. I can step out in faith and trust God. Some of us need to trust and believe we've been given all things for life and godliness. Number four, Romans 8, 28. I wanted to make sure to include what, what some people call these like coffee mug verses. Uh, you know, these verses that we just see uh, so much that they can just become commonplace to us, and we can just kind of get calloused to them. Romans 8, 28, I think, is, is one of those. But this truly is a promise of God. And some of us in the room, we need to actually believe this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Notice the text doesn't say all things are good, but it says God is working all of the things in our life together for the good of those who love him. And what's ultimately good in our life? It's the glory of God and the image of Christ shining forth in our life. And God says, I will use all things, the good, the bad, the ugly, the broken pieces, the broken parts. I'm going to bring it all together and use it for your good, to bring out my glory and to shine forth the image of Christ in your life. Do we believe and trust that this morning? I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what difficult or, or painful circumstance you're in the midst of, but today God is calling us to trust his promises. And one of the promises we need to surrender to and believe and trust is God is working together all things for the good of those who love him. What promise or promises of God do I need to trust? In the waiting, what step of obedience do I need to take? Trust and obey. To trust and obey. That is what God is calling us to this morning. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Some of you hear that and you think immediately of the song. 
Some of you are like, song, what's he talking about? I want to read some of these lyrics to you. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies, but a smile quickly drives away. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Then in fellowship, sweet, we will sit at his feet or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says, we will do. Where he sends, we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. And we can do this because we have one who has trusted and obeyed perfectly on our behalf. Don't miss the big, bright, blinking arrow in this story pointing to our great Savior, Jesus. The impossibility of the birth of Isaac. Humanly impossible. Sarah was without the way of women. They're going, there's no human way for us to have this child. And we're going to see later, God keeps his promise. The son of the covenant, Isaac, Thousands of years later, another impossible birth happened through the Virgin Mary, the true son of the covenant, Jesus, the fulfillment of the covenant. Both of these children would come after long periods of waiting. Isaac, after 25 years of waiting and waiting and waiting for the promise of God to be fulfilled. And then thousands of years later, Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, the promised one, has now come through the Virgin Mary, and he's the perfect fulfillment of all and every promise of God. Second Corinthians 1 says, for every one of God's promises is yes in Jesus Christ. Therefore, through him we say, amen to the glory of God. Through Jesus, we can obey. Through Jesus, we can trust. Through Christ, we have everything we need to walk a life characterized by the pattern of trust and obey. In the waiting, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning and we ask, we beg that you would show us the ways in which we need to trust you and obey you. God, I thank you. All throughout this story in Genesis, we see you are so kind and gracious and loving and, and um, firm when you need to be, and, and you're just the perfect heavenly father to Abraham and Sarah. God, I thank you that you are that to us today. That, that you're not standing over us with a heavy hand ready to condemn us, but, but through your grace and your mercy, God, you are gently moving us and spurring us towards greater trust and greater obedience. God, as we leave here, please let us not just be hearers of the word, but be doers. And, and if there's ways we need to trust you, God, would we step out in faith? Would we, would we talk to some people who we're close to and just say, hey, this is what God has shown me. These are some of the promises that I'm... I'm done doubting, and now I need to trust. God, would you give us the courage and the boldness to walk out of here in obedience in those areas that you're showing us the next step of obedience, 
Maybe it's, it's a simple step. Maybe it's a costly step. Whatever it is, God, through your spirit, equip us with the courage and boldness we need to walk in obedience. God, help us trust and obey and help us to realize there's no other way to experience the fullness of life that you offer us except for by your grace leading us in deeper trust and greater obedience. So God, please do that now. We long for it and we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen.